Good morning, Geekdom community. Welcome to another episode of the Geekdom Underground Podcast. We have a special one today. Uh, might be a little bit spooky. Spooky season is upon us. Good morning, everybody. I'm super excited for today's episode of Geekdom Underground. We have an awesome podcast for you today. We have a guest, longtime Geekdom member, also an employee over at WP Engine, and an actor and producer in some spooky films, horror films. Today we have Mr. Brant Bumpers. Brant, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, uh, y'all know how we like to do it on the on the Geekdom Underground podcast. We like to just kick it and have a casual conversation. So, Brant, if you would... Oh, wait. Whoa. How could I... Dude. There's some. Uh, it's a little spookier in here. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why, yes. dude. I, uh, yeah, that, it's just the vibe. It is, you know. But anyway, uh, let's get right to it. <laughs> Brand, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I have uh, my hometown is here in San Antonio. So there's that. I um went to college at SAC, and uh, instead of finishing up at SAC, I actually started working in my field uh, doing video production, and while I was kind of uh, still kind of dabbling in just doing lighting and helping people out with items on their little short films that back in the day had to be shot with like camcorders and, you know, VHS camcorders because no one had anything fancy. And uh, I was uh, used out of practicality for acting, even though I've always wanted to do acting. But of course, I've always had this long hair, beard, and this look. And so people are like, oh, you're going to play this bad guy. You're going to play this guy. You're gonna play... <laughs> Which was fine by me. I've always loved to play the villain. And, uh, that kind of manifested into more, and then I was asked to do some music videos for a band down here named Boxcar Satan that had been around for years. And uh, so I did their videos and showed them at a festival, and people liked the videos. They liked me. I would put myself in one of them out of complete necessity. And I got people like, hey, can you be in my little project? Sure. And then I would be in their project. Then it would go to a film festival. Then more people would see it. And then, hey, can you be in my little project? Absolutely. Film festival, more people see it. So as I got to just make friends, go out into the world, just kind of kept happening. So, yeah, basically that's that. Uh, I work in the tech industry as a full-time work. Uh, worked at Rackspace, where I know you. Yeah, hey. We, we hey, we've got some history. That's the origin we, story. Yeah, well, that is true. So Brant and I, we met back in Rackspace in, man, that must have been like 2013. Uh. Probably 2012. 2012. Because you were originally part of the Dragon Chats. The Dragon Migration. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If they didn't do a big migration, you probably wouldn't have joined the team right when you did. That's true. And that's so true. That's where. And then, like, after that, they're like, all oh, you are now, you know, chatters and cloud servers. You know, we knight thee. We made it. Yeah. So, <laughs> and everybody was. And, uh, and I remember you had a stand up desk that was right catty corner behind me. And we would turn around a lot, like I'd, you know, like like you know, a couple of like chatting Cathy's, like turn away from our computers. So anyway, blah 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 blah, and then like, oh, hold on, I got to chat. <laughs> and then like, so anyway, and like and, and like he would have like, uh, he actually, I remember you actually got reams of paper out of the closet to make your desk a little higher to where you like it. And people were like, you can't use the office resources. <laughs> and so it was just that kind of thing where <laughs> he would always just do little things like that. Like, ah, Rebels. okay. Yeah, exactly. So, like, Dang, we exposed. Boxes. It was awesome, though. But here's the thing, though. He was always so likable that 
other people would have been like, hey, you can't do that. But with Philip, you can't do that. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. Is that charm? Well, yeah, well, so let me let me also say, like, while we're on the subject of uh-huh. Rackspace, Rackspace, uh, that was a, a, a an environment that was, it played nicely with us because you were able to really customize your work environment, and that really built, that, that was really ingrained in the culture of being a racker. And so... Let's talk a little bit about that. Um, I used to give a lot of tours at Rackspace, too. I remember that. And your desk was a destination. Can we talk about what that desk looked like? Now, I've heard stories. Okay. So I'm (laughs) glad to hear it from you. Okay, no problem. So I remember when I first started at Rackspace, we were in Phase 3. Now, for those of you that aren't familiar, uh, Rackspace was adding a new addition called Phase 4 right when I started, and we were in the older section called Phase 3 before they finally opened it up. <laughs> phase 3. I remember I just started. I was still trying to even figure out what my job was. Went in knowing nothing. And I remember uh, one of my friends that was also one of the other team's managers, he was like, you might want to consider... Uh, decorating your desk because people would like they would sometimes like you know hey we're bringing in lunch and they would set it up at my desk because there's nothing on it so they thought no one was sitting there and you know i'm like hey i'm like that, that like that milton from office space hey, i'm gonna set the building on fire and like so like uh what ended up happening is when we went to phase four and we got our permanent forever desks you know at least as much as you're going to at rack yeah. space i was like three months yeah yeah i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah exactly i'm gonna go ahead and set up my i'm gonna set up my stuff they're like, okay, so I went home and I got a furniture dolly and I got one of my huge radar simulators, okay? This is from, it was originally at Randolph Air Force Base. I bought it from an antique store. I bought two of them. And I I brought it in and I set it on the desk and I brought in also uh, like some statuary, some like old crows, like all the stuff that, that was just like old stuff I had laying around. And I set it all up. And I didn't think much about it. I was just kind of like, I hope they don't make me take this stuff home because I never had a job where you can just decorate that way before. But those desks were like solid. Like you can, I could tap dance on there and I'm over 400 pounds, (laughs) you know? And like, uh, so I was like, all right, you know, I'm going to do this. And sure enough, the next day I saw people like coming in, like, is that your desk? What is this thing? This thing's amazing. And it looks like a great big, like switches and gadgets and it's exaggerated in size and all the knobs that are supposed, like the toggle switches that are supposed to be just like, not even half an inch big or like almost three inches. That's how like much exaggerated everything is. And people are all like wanting to play with it. I'm like, yeah, go ahead and hit the. And it lit up and all yeah, the things. It and- did. And, and I made a little, uh, I also, while I was sitting there, I made a little dimmer for it. I put, the, I got extension cord and some stuff and MacGyvered a dimmer <laughs> so that I could turn it down and, you know, and, uh, people just like, Oh my God. And they came over and took pictures sitting at my desk. And I had this great big, uh, captain's chair that was like on a swivel. So you can kind of rock back and forth and you can swivel around and uh, people would come over and take pictures sitting in it, you know, like, and like, it was pretty neat. It was kind of like uh, people on the set of Seinfeld, you know, sitting on Jerry's couch, taking pictures, you know? <laughs> so it was, uh, it was pretty neat. I, I didn't expect it to be that much of a, cause there's some people that had some amazing deaths. I'm, I'm not kidding. So I was like, ah, I'll just, you know, see if I can keep up. No, people are like, Oh no, this desk is amazing. I love destroyed this the it competition. Was, dude, yes. it was it was amazing. I mean, well, also, uh, Brent, we've been friends for a long time, 
And so I mean this in a loving way, but Brant had more stuff on his desk than like a spirit store has <laughs> inventory. Like, yeah. and, and what was cool though is some of the stuff that you brought in were not props. It was like you just like oddities. Yes. Like just yes. Different things. Like, oh, yes. Like, I had like old antiques. I had like an old, uh, I don't drink at all, but I still had like an old growler and I had, you know, um, I had uh, a couple of, um, like cups and like like old statuary cups and old things that I was like okay I like having this here and like like old gadgets and like uh, I even had a uh, I had a glass head that was wearing a child's Russian gas mask <laughs> wow and the hose um, where the like where the, the 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 breather is I got one of those old school style operators headsets this is from back way back in like World War II when they would be on roller skates trying to run around and patch in stuff. Mm-hmm. It was one of those, and I put it on there, and so I, then I later on I got like a whole like a it's like a torso of a mannequin, and I put a jumpsuit on it, and a Russian gas mask and all this stuff, and I had it standing up, and I actually I actually kind of like fashioned a a penny behind the mask that was hooked up to a piece of line so that I can move it, oh. and the mask actually moves around, <laughs> which was not fun for some of my get you know my in my uh my uh, neighbors like they were sitting next to me because they're sitting there and all of a sudden they see the thing move around like, oh, yeah. like they actually you know showing how uncomfortable they were around me but like uh the, mm-hmm. the thing that I also did was uh there was these little like uh plexi panels these little white plexi panels between the desks that are kind of like you know this is where my desk ends you know kind of <laughs> well I took it down and I put up like a, a frame with like a piece of like stretched nylon. And then I had like a face, like a, a face on the end of a stick, and I'd push it through there so it looks like you know, like you know, face coming out of the wall. And so that's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. a lot of fun. It was, it was super, super scary. And like as one of Brant's desk, I, I sat behind him for a little bit, but then we ended up sitting right next to each other. And as one of his desk neighbors, yes, it, it, even though I knew what was there. And what could be there, I would still get scared yeah. by the things that, that you do. And I love it. Like, I welcome mm-hmm. it. I mean, y'all know that. I like I like spooky. spooky th- oh, oh, dude, yeah. I love spooky I think it's things. cool, though. Mm-hmm. Like, so they encourage that. They're like, hey, your desk is bare. Like, bring, I'm sure they didn't expect all that. But they're like, well, hey, like. They, so, they, well, as, as time got on and they got to know me, they'd be like, we should have known when we said, make yourself at home and decorate. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, it's going to turn into his house. Yeah, and I, I want to get more into that. But I, I, I want to save that for a little bit. I want to get into, um, because you talked about how, you know, your full-time job is in the tech industry. Um, And I was very much a part of that. I was on your team. I saw the work that you put in, and that was definitely a a 40-hour-a-week job. Yeah. I mean, it was, and when we're not working, we were learning. We were constantly staying on top of technologies. Yeah. But you were also in films, like Mm -hmm. in actual Feature films, in short films, in the company, you would make company shorts and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, so, can you talk a little bit about your um, like your claims to fame and, and or any films that you've been in that you want to kind of highlight? Well, let's see. Uh, when I first started there, um, I was uh, an extra in Sin City Two for like about a week. That's awesome. It was. I got to watch Jessica Alba dance for two straight days. It was because, uh, like, we're in the I'm in the Katie's bar scenes where all the you know hooligans and you know bikers are. And what what I really liked about that was that instead of me just putting on like a 
some of the times they would have me like, you know, put my hair in a braid and they would put a, you know, big cowboy hat on me or something, you know, but like, uh, a few of those times I was actually just me in my regular clothes, the way I always look. <laughs> so it just looked like me in Sin City. <laughs> That's and, so I, cool. and I was like, yes, you know, and like, like, it's like, if you could take your eyes off Alba, there's me. And I'm just sitting there, you know, staring at whatever. And then like, uh, so I was like, okay, I'm pretty happy with that. But then, um, a friend of mine that was a local, he's a local filmmaker and he's also like, you know, a, a play director and, you know, he does a bunch of different stuff. Very talented guy, Brian Ortiz. He asked me one day, he calls me up. He's like, can, uh, can, can you come meet me at gyms? And I, you know, I, you know, I just heard gyms, it's food. Uh, I'm there. <laughs> That's all I needed to hear. But he was like, when I got there, he's, uh, his, 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 sometimes his modes is like real playful, but other times it's real stressed. And when he's real stressed, I know he's working on a project. And uh, he wasn't stressed, stressed, but he was just kind of like in that beginning stages of I'm trying to put a lot together. He's like, uh, here's some sketches of this character, but I, I would like you to play this character in my film. I said, okay, sure. And then he shows me like a picture of this. It looks like a homeless guy with a big beard, but he's got no eyes and a huge mouth. And I said, okay, yeah, yeah. And then uh, he was like, we're trying to sign on Malcolm McDowell. I'm like, you're what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, so, you know, for, for those of you that may need a little, like, prodding on who Malcolm McDowell is, he's been in half the stuff you've ever seen. But he's also in Clockwork Orange. He's the main character in Clockwork Orange. He's um, if, you know, and uh, Caligula. But he's, uh, he's uh, you know, just a real, like, oh, wow, that's Malcolm McDowell. And then later on I'm learning, I'm seeing, like, oh, we just, you know, got, we just signed on Chris Mulkey and Robert England and John Glover and Glacey Chabert. And I'm like, how many people are going to be in this thing? <laughs> and then um, the kid that I was up that I that I start opposite of, like that I, um, the the film I'm in is about a kid that's uh, has an abusive father, and uh, on top of that, he's trying to navigate through everyday life, but also there's this homeless weirdo following him, and it turns out the homeless weirdo is not even human, and now he's got that to contend with. Yeah. So uh, the kid is played by David Mazous, who uh, was on touch with uh, Kiefer Sutherland, but he went on to be on Gotham. He plays Bruce Wayne on Gotham. Hmm. So, and uh, it's it's pretty neat watching him grow up, you know, like, like over the years. But, like, uh, I just remember him being that kid that's, like, twice as, you know, twice as mature as I am. Yeah, we're sitting there at the reading, and he's, like, sitting there going over his schedule and, like, you know, I'm like sitting there with like, you know, I know a lot of chewing gum on my you know script. I, hey, yeah, how's it going, kid? You know, <laughs> and I was just at the script. I don't have any lines because I'm a creature. So you have a lot of like growls. Yeah, exactly. Just a lot of, you know, and so like uh, I was just there for the kids to know who I was. Yeah. And, and for Chris Mulkey to know who I was. Chris Mulkey was playing the abusive father. And Chris Mulkey, he was in The Purge. He was in Whiplash. He was in, he's one of those people where you see a picture of him, you're like, oh, yeah, I've seen that guy. Yeah. He, he's a that guy actor, you know? Mm. Yeah. He's not necessarily, I'd sit here and say Chris Mulkey, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, of course, that guy, you know? No, you have to see him. But yeah. like, uh, but yeah, I, I grew up watching a lot of his movies and a lot of what he, oh, he was also in Twin Peaks. Mm. Yeah. He was right all on. over Twin Peaks. So good, good, uh, good actor, good person, and uh, it was great working with him. But like, uh, you know, it was um, it was a lot of work, and uh, it was a lot of work for my friends. And I was uh, I'm that kind of person where when they're not filming me, I don't go to the set because I don't want to be another one of those people that's just clogging up the set because I just want to be seen. 
And uh, so, like, Robert England, you know, they're filming him, and I was like, well, I'm not in the scene, so I'm staying away. It's like, it's their first time working with these people. I don't want us to look like a bunch of hayseeds that are yeah. just like, oh, you know. <laughs> and um, and sure enough, when, when they were done filming Robert, you know, like, they had all these extras there. As soon as they're like, okay, let's wrap, and all of a sudden you see everyone darting for the door, and we're like, oh, no. And all of a sudden everyone comes back in with Freddy stuff for him to sign. Oh, gosh. Yeah, and it's like, and he, I mean, he, he he's not five. He knows, you know, he, yeah. he knows what, where it's not his, his first rodeo. Yeah, where his butter's bred. So he know that, okay, you know, this is just kind of part of this territory. But he, so he took it, you know, and very well in stride. It wasn't even like he was tolerating it. He was acting, you know, he was very nice and cordial. But like, um, it was just kind of funny because, um, you know, you go from not ever meeting these people to uh, having a conversation with them about some really, you know, horrid or weird stuff. And uh, even like Chris Mulkey sitting there going like, so I wonder why this strain of hemp is legal over others. I'm like, I know. <laughs> you know what? Legal marijuana, like medical marijuana, I think it's more of a body high than a head high. And that's why it works so well. I'm like... <laughs> I guess so. We're, we're like in St. Mary's, you know, uh, school sitting in one of the classrooms because, like, you're waiting. Like, we're that's our, like, little improvised green room. Also. And then uh, another time we were in a, somebody's house. We're filming this big scene. We're in this house over by Woodlawn. And uh, yeah, there's this this person just let us use the house. They went out for the night and just let us use the house. And it was funny because the bed became, like, this guest studio. Like, you know how, like, uh, there's a talk show in like the late night talk show host. And he has that couch where everyone's just kind of comes over and takes turns sitting on it. <laughs> and then like, you know, moves down or whatever, or the chair and then the couch, this bed was pretty much that for that great. Like I'm sitting, I'm sitting over by this makeup mirror and then everybody would just come lie down on the cat on, on the bed and talk. And like Lacey Chabert comes over and lies down on the bed. You know, she's all talking to us. And then like, they're like, Lacey, we need you on set. Okay, she gets up and walks out, and then in comes Chris Mulkey because they're not using him right away. He lies down on the bed, and he's sitting there talking, and it was just like a really weird, like, talk show. Yeah, that's, <laughs> and that's so funny. It is. It was awesome, you know, and so yeah. I was like, all right, cool. So um, anyway, like, uh, working on that, that was, like, one of the biggest projects I ever worked on because it had the most celebrities in it and it actually yeah. went the farthest as far as, like, release. I mean, I've got other films that were on, like, on Netflix and – but this was like kind of like a bigger like oh wow this actually was also a comic book because they wanted to kind of they kind of wanted to creep show it but they didn't want to do the transitions that look like you know creep show yeah but they wanted it to be a comic book and so out of the the only three people in the comic book that were modeled after people in the film was Malcolm McDowell me and um, Chris Riley who's unfortunately Charles Riley he passed away. And he was a, uh, he was a um, great actor, great person down here, and like he he was uh, the basically like the records keeper at this sanitarium, mm. and he was uh, he was like his character is the only character that was actually reading a sanitarium comic, and then he's in the comic like they fa- they actually pattern the the look of the character off of him. That's awesome. It really was. It was really neat. My character, they patterned off of me, but they made him delightfully thin in the comic where <laughs> I was actually not so delightfully thin. So I was like, 
Well, I mean, I'll take what I can get. <laughs> this is how you remember me, and that's why I look to you. Sanitarium. So that's the title of the film. That was and, the title of the film. And the comic. Um, mm. And, and yeah, I mean, I remember when that happened. Um, you know, we like we've already mentioned, we've been friends for a long time. I was there to support you, and I remember seeing it at the Palladium, and that was just, it was so cool because um, I remember just being there and just being like, I work next to that guy, <laughs> like that. Not only the guy that's on screen, but also the one that's that is on the panel. You know, with, with these celebrities, and um, yeah, that was just that's such a unique thing to have, like those two, um, really those double lives, and have the because they're so different from each other. When you, so Brent, you're like genuinely one of the nicest, funniest gentlest I thank you people uh, you know people I know and I mean that yeah in, I'm sitting in, right here dude. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> mm. so I'll say it again no, but, <laughs> no, but, but but yeah I mean one of the one of the nicest people that I've that I've known and we've been able to stay great friends what's it like when like somebody calls you and they're like hey we need this big scary like mean menacing person and I thought of you. It feels awesome actually. <laughs> I, I mean I won't I won't uh, mix words on that. I've actually been told I look intimidating for like since childhood and then like when I was in high school I looked old. I had like a beard since I was 16. I had long hair, I wore a leather jacket and all black and when I would walk around the hallways, I would actually kick doors open. Like, you know, like, cause I, I would actually put my foot against the door and just like, bah, and like other people would try to do it and hurt their foot. And, um, I mean, you say that like you didn't do that here. <laughs> <laughs> showed up. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh no, he's wearing his boots. No, 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 no. <laughs> so like, uh, yeah, it was, uh, but like, so I, I got used to hearing that and are people saying, when I first met you, I thought, Oh my God. And then like, you're actually one of the nicest people and it's cool. You know, I'd rather be, thought of as mean but found out to be nice then have the because there's some people where that's the exact opposite you that's thought true. they were going to be For cool sure. and they turn out to be horrible yeah and uh so like it's actually great and uh as far as the way i even um the way i the way i market myself is that I'm like okay i look mean i look scary yeah and I mean, in the dating world, it doesn't really help you, but it does magic for movies. Yeah, you know, like, um, and like it's like yeah, I'm, I'm not, you know, and like I, I don't, I don't have a first date kind of house either. Like it's that kind of thing where you'd have to overexplain why things are there. Okay, hold on, I know that looks like a devil behind a podium because that is, <laughs> and it's in my bedroom because I have nowhere else to put it right now. Hold on, and then like you're like, hold on, don't leave. Okay. You gotta explain every every yeah, every little thing. thing. Like <laughs> before we open this door, what you're gonna see is the following. And they're like, I want to go home. I was like, I, I bet you do. You go home. But like, uh, Wait, are these like props that you just you picked up through movies, or just oddities that you like shopped for? Oh God, a little bit of both. Because uh, I like oddities. I like weird. I even have like uh, a lot of uh, medical equipment, like surgical equipment, mm. like antique equipment. And uh, I'll pick up a little here and a little there, and like it just accumulates over time. But we've used it so many times in films, and uh, we use it for you know. Um, uh, like I remember like there's times where we'll ha we had to make like a thumbnail for something mm -hmm. and I'm like, hold on, I've got this, you know, this old syringe and I'm going to set it here. I'm going to take a picture of it up close and, you know, send a few pictures out and it looks like, oh wow, that looks really, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I just had some stuff lying around. 
Yeah, does yeah. anyone have like a antiques or in like calipers? Or yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> like, hey. have, yeah, 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 right over here. And uh, matter of fact, uh, it's funny because there's been quite a few productions where, like, uh, Garth Manor Cinema, they had they wanted to do this '80s throwback, uh, '80s throwback um, uh, type of like uh, promo where it looks like the old slasher film and stuff, but like they wanted to look like kind of like a, a take on Mass Killer, but have it look real '80s. And I said. Let's put him in a old uh, old cafe racer style leather jacket, uh, a black uh, motorcycle helmet, black gloves, and a great big survival like one of those big survival knives. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's one of those things where they're just that kind of person where they're you know their their mask is their helmet, and you know they're like, oh, I love that. I was like, let me see what I have. So I got a, you know a leather jacket from my dad because I don't have you know small thin cafe racer jackets. My dad does; he rides motorcycles, and I got a helmet that was given to me by my brother. And I was like, well, here, it's not black yet, but we can paint it. And then I had the gloves and I had the knife. And I, was, I showed him like uh, a variation of knives I had. And I said, well, there's this one. And they're like, those are perfect. So pretty much they went from, how are we going to outfit this killer to, oh, we called Brant. And now he's coming over with a duffel bag full of goodies. And um, all we got to do is paint the helmet. And uh, <laughs> so they used it. I I, I got I, I don't have the promo here. Like I got a, I don't know where to find it online. But they're like, oh yeah, it came out perfect. But like um, that that's been a lot of stuff. I even have like an old dentist drilling station that I've used for for productions and I've used for uh, film or like uh, photo shoots. And uh, so it, it, I get called a lot for that. And yeah. I, it, it's pretty neat. And, and and the thing is that there's a surprising amount of times where I just have what they need, like needful yeah. things. Like I just happen to have that. Yeah. You know, and like, um, and I'll, and I'll still like, I'll buy things. that's like, that cost me $200, but you know what? I can rent it out for a hundred. And, yeah. and, uh, after a few days, you know, more than make my money back or, uh, just have it on standby for something. Yeah. yeah. Something's going to come up, you know, down the line. Yeah. Like, hey, I happen to have. Well, you know, one of those, is there a, like a shop, a local shop that you go to? I know there's a couple in Austin. There isn't a local shop that I just kind of go to. What I do is I just kind of wander around small towns and go to uh, antique stores yeah. in small towns. Because small towns, they'll get a lot, they'll get a bunch of stuff in from estate sales that they don't know what to do with. And the locals just aren't buying because they just kind of like, they have probably six or seven customers that show up on the reg. A lot of them aren't buying that stuff that I'm looking for. Yeah, and I'll go over there and I'll get it. You know, like uh, I bought um, I bought a, uh, I got a friend of mine a replica prop from Phantasm. This little sphere, this little metal sphere that has these blades, and um, and a drill bit. And it's like that's the that's the the prop in the movie that flies around and kills people. It's it's a it's a neat it's a it's an iconic prop to you know horror fans. So I was like, here, I'm you know got you a gift, and I was like. I don't like the fact that it doesn't come in anything. So I'm going to find a case to put it in. <laughs> so I got this box from an antique store. As it turned out, it was a funeral. It was an urn vault. Oh. <laughs> so you open up the, oh, you open up the vault. It looked kind of like a casket. So when you open up the vault, there's the urns are sitting in there. They had it because the old occupants busted up and little bits of the the, pre- the the prior occupants were all over the inside of it. So I had to get a vacuum and clean them out. And I made a casket looking thing that was a display, you know, like a prop replica. And and then I, since I was 12, like, for instance, I 
I was like, I've, I was, uh, I loved Chainsaw Massacre too. I loved that, that exact chainsaw and costume and that exact mask. Loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. And then I was on eBay and somebody was selling the Leatherface mask, that one, that same one. I was like, I didn't even know they made this and Death Studios makes it. Anyways, point is I got it. I wasn't happy with the way they painted it. So I got one of my special effects friends to paint it. Then I was like, you know what? I've always wondered which chainsaw that was they used. And so I went to some forums, found out, and then I found one on eBay that was just like in the rough, you know? Yeah. And then I got the exact same guide bar that they use in the movie with the same black speed tip and got that. And then I took it all apart, cleaned it up, painted it, and made it a replica of the one from part two. And I put together a part two costume and I'm friends with Leatherface from part two. Nice. So uh, he lives in Austin. So I was like, you know, hey, I don't usually do this. We always talk about everything else, but what kind of suit exactly were you wearing? <laughs> you know, you know, I don't usually go around asking old men what they're wearing. Yeah. But like uh, I did this time, but like it helped me put That's together so cool. something. Yeah, it was really neat. You What'd know, you so, wear it to? Oh, so just to I was a regular Friday night. Oh, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, H-E-B. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, believe it or not, during this whole pandemic, I have an Morton Joe mask, and I did myself all Morton Joe style and went to H-E-B that way. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, and just as a joke, I was walking around with, like, uh, two big things of water in my cart. So, like, um, people wanted to take a picture. Yeah. So we would act like we're fighting over the water or, you know, like they would. Uh, That's This one awesome. guy, he got his kid. Uh, he put, like, this... Uh, He's like, he had some E-tape in his pocket, and he put E-tape on the kid's face to look like that mask thing that uh, that uh, Mad Max was wearing when he yeah. was strapped to the front of the oh, car and yeah, had him stand yeah. on the front of my cart. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, that's so awesome. And took a picture, and the kid looked cool. You know, the kid looked all, you know, ah, you know, and, like, looked hilarious. And, like, uh, other people, you know, kind of, like, rolled their eyes at me or just, you know, like, kind of, like, gave me that glare, like, you shouldn't be walking around like that. But yeah, I don't care. No. And uh, I think, you know, I'm not going to get arrested over it. I didn't. So like uh, <laughs> I just had a Morton Joe mask on and yeah. you know it was it was a lot of fun. That's and, uh, awesome. Yeah, man. I mean, you got to have fun with these times, you know. Yeah. If you're going to have them, but no, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I I, I just basically <clears throat> I'll call up uh, prop makers and ask them, hey, can you make this? Sometimes I'll make my own stuff, but sometimes I'll see that somebody actually went through the all the groundwork to make something. Yeah. Exactly like it, like that. Uh, that screen. Ma- I've got a uh, Brandon James TV series screen mask. And the guy went through like three iterations before he finally was like, "Okay, I'm pretty happy that this is screen accurate." And I'm like, yeah. "I'll buy one." That's and then, uh, yeah, and then like uh, I've got like some screen accurate Jason masks, and I got some uh, other ones that aren't so screen accurate, but they still look amazing and they were cheap. And uh, then I have, um, I have um, tube televisions, old tube televisions that we use for set props, you know, for set pieces, and we use in films because of the fact that you can't find them anymore, and they're the old ones to look like, you know, the 1980s. Yeah. They have, have, like, the little knob, like, click, yeah, click, 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 yeah, the UHF on top, and then the big <laughs> dot, 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 yeah. on the bottom, yeah. And um, and I'll find old electronics. I've got old cameras that don't work, but they look like, you can make it look like they do. Sure. And uh, so I've got a bunch of stuff that... uh. And it's funny because people will just kind of take a chance. One of them, they, it was like, sometimes it's even weird stuff for a film that we were doing that we filmed at my house. They said, do you happen to have one of those Chinese star dartboards? I said, believe it or not, I do. <laughs> a friend of mine just gave it to me like two years ago for no reason. 
And I and, I, and they thought I was being, you know, sarc- you know, I was like, no, no, literally, it's like right here. And I pulled it out, and they're like, that looks better than the one we were going to order. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, there you go. And why is it used? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's just it's a lot of fun, and like, so I like being thought of as the as the villain. I like, you know, and I like being used as that. I like being thought of as, you know. Scary looking. Um, I, as long as you know people understand that I'm not really a scary person. Yeah. And uh, in real life, uh, and I like, um, I love scary things. I love old things. I love odd things. And uh, so it's really great having people like when they come over. Oh, oh, Brant, show them this. Oh, Brant, show them this. You know, and like, uh, and people like just ooh and ah over it. Or you know, I've got old Star yeah. Wars stuff, and I've got you know, oh, I've also got this, and like. Um, People just love to go exploring around my house. Just what all do you have? You know. Yeah. And uh, you lock them in there. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I start playing the music box. Yeah. Like, You're like, hey, be you careful. Know, you might find like a knife or a machete or like a not, chainsaw. He, and that's not. That's not. That's actually pretty accurate. He, he doesn't like, babysit my kids. No, we can't. I, I do not. Yeah, Uncle Brand's a bad uncle when it comes to that. We, like, uh, you know, on the subject though of, and this is what I wanted to get back to, uh, on the subject of like the oddities and the scary things and the props and stuff. Uh, I want to share a story. So one time when we were at Rackspace at the castle, which is what they called the headquarters there, um, they put out, I forgot who, but somebody put out this like call to action on like whatever team can make their area the spookiest. It's like the haunted, the most haunted will win this, I don't know, insert weird prize here. Yeah. And for some reason we were like, well, we're going to, kill this competition and <laughs> and so we asked brant um you know hey do you do, would you have anything that could contribute to this and it was seriously scary like like i don't know if you've ever seen the castle but it was like a, it's an open work environment but we had built out this actual house using yeah. like black like- it was like black, uh, thick tarp. Yeah, thick, super thick tarp. We hung it from the rafters and made it like <laughs> this actual thing. So when you go inside, it's completely dark. We had lights and fog. We had tombstones. They're that like, were... how big is this area? Is oh, this dude. this was about like, um, I would say it was about twenty feet by twenty five feet. Oh, so you could get like creative with it. Yeah, oh, I mean we yeah. had a we had a team There of, was a lot of us in there. Yeah, we had a team gotcha. of what 12 probably yeah. 12 or 15 of us and yeah. all of us were in there. Yeah, yeah. mega desk over here. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and well yeah, ours combined it was yeah. when we were next to each other we had some height on our desk <laughs> we but, did. but there were like I said like tombstones that looked like actual tombstones at a cemetery. Yeah. But like stone tombstones that are like that thick. Dang. But you could pick it up in one hand. They're like yeah. styrofoam. Yeah, that's cool. But, but we, they but they were painted. They looked exactly like it. We had uh, like potions that were light up and fog and and then like doll heads and the spookiest thing that that face thing. Yeah, and uh, everybody was like everybody like all the other areas. They went to like the dollar store or, or spirit store and yeah, and they, they they just got some of that webbing and just kind of like. 
didn't even do it right. No one ever does the webbing. Right. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. they're just kind of like, yeah, they're all like, it yeah. was like, like, where it looks like someone just got cotton candy and went, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just kind of like, yeah, that guy. It looks like, like you snow. went to the spirit store. We actually have real spirits. Dude. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're, we're actually like, like doing uh, like seances. Dude, exactly. really, yeah, really scary. Yeah, Brant really, he brought the heat on that one. But <laughs> that's but awesome. It was, but it was so much fun. Like it got the entire castle talking about it. Um, and then we got in trouble. We, it brought too much attention to us because oh, wow. some fire hazard. They're like, they're like well, because of the fact that it's flammable stuff. If there was a fire, it would just be a huge fire. And I'm like, and then there's a few people. They're like, it's dark in here, you know. And it's like yeah. it's supposed to be shut up, yeah. you know. And like, uh, and like, but other people are like, I've always wanted to do this, and like, they're they're like so happy. But then like, because um, like we, it was like so much because like we would walk in it's dark it looks like uh like a, like you know when uh the the star trek movie where jj abrams like where they're on the board and it's like it looks like all the lights are out except for the the dashboard mm-hmm. panels yeah that's what it looked like but the rest of it's all brightly lit but when you go in there it's dark <laughs> and it was amazing and we actually had to put in box fans pointed outward to to get some breeze in there. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, with like, all the computers, I'm sure you got yeah. hot. Oh man. yeah, yeah, and, and just all the people, and then you know, it's really uncomfortable. All the spirits. Yeah. It was yeah, super exactly, scary. Exactly. I mean, it was it was great. It and, was, and but every scary thing that was in there, the scariest things that were in there, was Brand's personal collection. Dude, yeah. I love that. Just, <laughs> and some of it wasn't even meant for Halloween. It was just kind of there. Yeah, you know, yeah. so they're like, oh my god, this is weird. And I'm like, oh oh yeah, I just had that a lot. Yeah, that's my yeah. Christmas dolls. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, those are this gas mask I bought at the flea market one time. Like, oh do my you, god! Yeah. Do you like put a spooky or like a creepy or oddity spin on like any holiday you do? Like, <clears throat> you know what? I'm really big on if you're going to tell a story, tell it the way it's supposed to be told. So, like, if someone asked me to do like something real Christmassy, mm-hmm. I would actually try to make it look genuinely Christmassy. But I would ask, like, do you want a 1970s Christmas? Do you want 80s Christmas, so do you want just like modern day, this could be a Foley's commercial Christmas. Mm-hmm. And then he's just like, oh, I'm kind of going for this. I'm right, all right, then you want to, for this, like for today's stuff, you want to actually use primary colors and pastels. I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, for 70s Christmas, you would actually use a lot more earth tones to go with the bright colors and go into all that whole stuff because I think of it like if we were making a movie, how would we mm-hmm. make it look? Sure. So... I so like I'm really big on like juxtaposition. Okay, so like um, Squid Game, Squid Game's all the rage right now, as oh, it should be because yes. it's amazing. But like uh, one thing that makes it so iconic is the right use of costume, the right use of imagery, and we juxtapose where all the horror is happening in the bright colors, mm-hmm. just like Midsummer, like the movie Midsummer. Mm-hmm. All the horror is happening in the sunlight. Yeah, and so I'm really big on like uh, I've always wanted. I said I always wanted to do a movie about like a beauty pageant, where everything looks candy colored, amazing, but all the horror is happening in that in that in that uh in that whole setting. And uh, so when people say like, I want the people say I want it to look scary. I'm like, well, hold on, what kind of scary are you wanting it to look like? Like point at something. Like I'll put I'll pull up pictures on the internet and say point at what's scary to you. Yeah, and I'll say, is that the kind of scare you're going for? And sometimes they they'll say, no, and they don't know how to put their finger on it. So I'll pull up, and I've got a plethora of movies and books and like images or people like art art uh, photos, and say, okay, out of these, which one is the most like what you're going for? 
And sometimes they'll go that right there. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, so what you want is something eerie where maybe it's not intentionally scary, but what it, the way it's presented makes it scary. Yeah. Or like uncomfortable. Exactly. I don't know what about that thing. Exactly. Exactly. And, And the thing is, is that to me is the most fun because it's so open to interpretation but it's so rewarding because you know when you hit it because everyone reacts the same way. You can see the hair stand on the back of their neck, even though it's just a kid sitting in a high chair or it's just, uh, you know, uh, somebody sitting um, somebody sitting on a park bench. Yeah. There's there's something about it. And, uh, and I'm like, okay, here's what it is. Their arm is way too long. They're like, what? Oh, it is, you know, or sometimes it like you have to do little things. And like, the thing is your mind will pick up on it. Your subconscious is very strong. It's stronger than your, your conscious, but that's what keeps you alive. That's what makes us see faces and things that aren't, don't have faces. Mm-hmm. And cause it makes us, uh, cause in our back, when we all lived outside in the forest or, you know, it's like instinct. You need to know if it's a predator. Or, exactly. Yeah. And so your mind was trying to like, hey, 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 hey. And like it would make you. Mm-hmm. So like. Um, yeah, I've, I've watched a video about that. There's a name for that, but I forget what it is. Oh, yeah. And, and that's why I'm like, uh, and, and I can't remember the name right now, but you're right. And like, uh, and so like it's a cross between that and memetics. Memetics is the act of um, the thing that kind of makes us all unifiedly do something without a- any explanation. Like, uh, let's say on an island, there will be a tribe of monkeys on one side that never ever talk to or fraternize with the tribe of monkeys on the other side. They probably don't even know that they're even there. And let's say they've always eaten bananas whole peel and all. And let's say the tribe in the East starts peeling their bananas. For some reason, the tribe in the West will start doing it too. Hmm. If not right then soon afterwards, even though they didn't talk to each other, even though there was nothing to show, Hey, do this or Hey, that's a good idea. They'll just start doing it. Well, we as a culture, we do that, and so we actually uh, single we we do a, we do take information in in a way that we don't fully comprehend on our waking selves and say, okay, this uh, th- there's something about this. There's something about this song. There's something about that's why songs in the minor key are always like kind of like have that mm-hmm. sullen sound, even if they're high paced. Mm-hmm. Songs in the major key just sound way too happy, even when they're trying. You know. And I said, like, okay, you know, juxtaposition. It's it's uh you're it's midnight. You're walking down the hallway, you think you saw someone at the end, and then all of a sudden something in the distance is playing in the major key. It makes it scarier than when you're trying to play scary music. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if uh uh ninety nine red balloon starts playing off in the distance, it's going to sound scarier and dun 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 and then uh you're then you're it's gonna sound scarier because it doesn't make sense why that should be there, why that's even in this area, what happened. Yeah. So it's that kind of thing where um uh you see it in movies. Um you'll see someone getting gunned down and they'll be playing Perfect Day by uh by Lou Reed, you know, and the perfect and it sounds like this serene, nice song, but What's happening makes the the song makes it the the situation seem worse. Or, what a wonderful world by uh, um, uh, Armstrong, Louis Armstrong, Armstrong. and and like they'll they always like people getting gunned down in the streets and they're playing that song in the background, you know. So those juxtapositions work for a reason. And so like whenever um, I'm asked to help put something together, I always think about that. What are you going for? 
because I'm like, if you're trying to scare people, there's different ways to do it. Are you trying to scare people with a human element? Are you trying to scare people with a supernatural element? Are you trying to scare people uh, by putting them in a situation they themselves would hate to be in? Because I remember writing a script where <laughs> someone gets a, a bathtub gets removed and they get placed under it, and they're basically they can't even turn their head all the way, and they're right under the fo- they're right under the drain. And uh, the person that they're yelling to that lives in that house is deaf and doesn't know that they're there. Oh, gosh. So I was like, okay, so we get to hear this person scream as they drown, and the person that's killing them has no idea they're killing them. But the fact that it's they're drowning, it's claustrophobic, you know, you play on all that stuff, it makes it all the more scary, and it makes the person feel anxiety. And I was like, okay, well, that's that type of scary. Are you trying to do this other one where, you know, some somebody's hunting somebody in the woods or, you know, and uh, so it's, it's God, that freaked me out, dude. Yeah, that's I'm going to check my drain tonight, dude. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> your mouth. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> that mouth. Cause it's always just a, you always look, even as a kid, you look at the drain when you're taking a bath. It's like, that's like a, I don't know, just this void that you have no idea where no, it goes. It, it reminds me of it. When yeah. I saw the, yeah, the, the TV, like, limited series they did back in the day. Yeah. That one, oh, my gosh. I haven't seen the new ones, but I know for a fact. I just know already that they're not going to, like, mess me up like that one did. Yeah. Not only because I was a kid, but that scene. Yeah. In the showers, the drain. Yeah. Dude, for years. I mean, I just yeah. thought about it now, so I'm going to be all scared now. Oh, but, yeah, dude. You but, know, we, we well, that's the point of the spooky Geekdom Underground episode, uh, but <laughs> to keep you leave you leave you a little bit spooked out. A little bit spooked yeah. out. Um, Good thing it's the morning though, so you know. Yeah, see, yeah. Uh, I will say that you know, uh, Brent, you're super knowledgeable in like the whole. Even though you you you're in a lot of these scary roles, you're in a lot of these horror films. I'm glad we talked about like the other side of it, where like you're really paying attention to the setting and how it makes the the viewer feel, um, and. Your perspective is awesome. Like, like just telling us right now about all those, all those things I don't even think about, about the arm being too long or about what kind of scare element I'm looking for. And uh, I had a very unique uh, experience with you um, watching Breaking Bad, which is one of my favorite series to date. Still one of my one of the favorite shows. Well, when that series was happening, season four, five, and six. We were friends uh, when it was when it was happening live. Yeah, and so we would watch it. And I remember I would watch the episode. The it was it was on on Sundays. I would watch the episode on Sunday. We would go to work on on Mondays and just talk about it, unload about it. And mm-hmm. that was when we were right next to each other. And I the things I would see were totally different from the things that Brant would see, and it would help me understand more about. Um, you know, the writers and, and the whys. And I remember distinctly, um, as an example, as we were getting to the later seasons, Brant brought up that, like, have you realized that the color has changed? And, like, like, like Hank doesn't wear as much bright colors. And, and we've lost different colors. From the very first season, everything is jovial and happy. And, like, in, like, the last season, everything's, like, orange. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Everything was kind of, like, uh, the, the color palette get more muted, and, like, the only person that had any consistency was Walt, but, like, he started wearing brighter brighter greens. The worse mm-hmm. he was getting, the brighter his greens would get. Yeah. Because, like, he's kind of coming to his own. He, yeah. Because, like, he was always beaten down. Now he's finally... Because think about, like, uh, the first episode, like, the first few... He's wearing, like, this kind of muted green avocado, you know, flesh... 
like muted green uh, platy um, shirt, you know, when he's getting his cancer diagnosis, when he's, you know, milling about, when he kills Gustavo Fring. Sorry for the spoilers. Yes, spoiler it is. There we go. You should know by now. Come on now. No, but like. Uh, <laughs> Nailed the it. shirt he's wearing is green, but it's like a very loud green. Yeah. You know, and so like even though he's all busted up, he's taking his licks, his licks, but he's also he he he's he's getting bigger. He's in mm-hmm. like uh and the thing is is that's the whole thing. He that I think that after Gustavo Fring is when he became he started becoming more of a villain. Because at first, like, well, first of all, like, we, we saw him as like, okay, he's trying to save everybody. He's trying to stop this guy. And at one point, Jesse asked him, he did have to die, right? And it's like, it made you question, was Gustavo really the bad guy? Was he really a bad guy? Yeah, if you, think, sure. if you think about it, Gustavo's anger towards them was always because they kept screwing up. And like, you know, I put all this money into it. You said you would do this thing. I was actually paying you money. Well, I mean, I was doing what I said I would. But then you start screwing up and not showing up or doing other things or snooping around. And, you know, now I don't like that. And I was like, well, what mob, what crime boss wouldn't like that? Yeah. And yeah. so, like, so you're thinking about it. You're like, okay, well, so it was earned. Yeah. But you wanted to not pay consequences. That's what it really was. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so it was that kind of thing where it's like, okay, you, you start. You, I said, when you start, a, like, like we always looked at Skylar, for instance, as like, you know, the big, you know, the, the mood kill, like the buzz kill. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, well, actually, she was the voice of reason. We were just all so caught up in what we wanted to see, yeah. Carnage, yeah. that anytime she tried to stop Carnage, we would get mad at her. It's like, ah, why did you stop the momentum? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, like, it's, it's that kind of thing where it's supposed to make you question what you do or what you're doing. And, like, yeah. at what point did you start wanting the bad th- the bad things to happen? Yeah. You know, and so- I, I, yeah, and I remember you saying something about, like, did you see in that scene when the oranges fell? And I was like, now that you say that, yes, but uh, but there reference was like the Godfather. Yeah, there's like a, a, mm-hmm. a references, like all these these yep. crazy references that you knew of, and I, I just always have appreciated that, you know, about you because I've learned so much more. Um, so, hey, shout out Vince Gilligan. No, oh God, yeah, and Better Call Saul. I, I, when he, when he first was talking about the, on a DVD commentary on Breaking Bad, he was talking about, you know, I'm thinking of doing like a, a spinoff series of Better. In the in, <laughs> that's a good that's impression. A, that's exactly. How I, was, I, I love because he sounds so jovial. Oh, I did a movie called Walter Napalm, and I was like, oh my God, he did Walter Napalm. That was amazing. <laughs> X Files. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, I did X Files for a few years, and I decided, man, I I don't want to be a Walmart greeter. I better make something. <laughs> and so like uh, he he was so like it's funny hearing him talk about that stuff. And then like, uh, but like then uh, he was talking about like, I'm, I'm thinking of doing a better call salt. And then he does it. And I'm like, oh my God, this show's amazing too. And I'm like, why did I ever doubt him? Yeah. I was like, if he did a show about someone that just babysits kids, it's going to be amazing because yeah. it's him. Yeah. So yeah. You, That's crazy. Yeah. And, and you know, something else about you too is that um, you, I really got the inspiration from you that like, if, uh, if you want to be, if you want to dress up as something scary for Halloween or just for a scary thing, you don't always have to go out and buy your costume. You can get you can get some things and then modify them, like you talked about, like you know, getting something repainted or something. And absolutely, and, you know. And so, uh, specifically last year when I, I got I got this sweet mask. It was the, an Eddie mask from Iron Maiden, and um, I got it just in time to wear here at Geekdom. I was so pumped about it. And if for those of you that don't know, it's a it's like a horrific skull like undead character that has this really long hair 
and when I got the mask, the hair was all messed up. It was just, it was just like kind of cheaply put on there, and I was, I was so upset. Uh, but I called Brant. I remember I sent you a picture of it, and you knew exactly what to do. Like you were like, you need glue, electrical tape, hairspray, <laughs> all these <laughs> yeah. And it worked. It worked so awesome. Um, but so, what would you say to like, you know, we are, um, we're coming up on Halloween very very soon and for those folks that maybe didn't don't have a costume or anything what are some tips on like things you can put together that are that you can scare people you can still be scary i love that question yeah okay um you'd be surprised what all you have around that could actually be if you just position it right it could be used to be something scary uh, i remember getting someone that is like they had a white pillowcase so i said here we're going to put some holes in the back and we're going to, you know, lace it in the back to, to, toward your face. Then we marked the where the where his actual facial features were, and we made um, a tiny, tiny little like rip where the mouth was because we knew it was going to keep ripping, mm-hmm. and uh, where the eyes were. And we pulled it back, and then like uh, I got uh, some of my grease paint and I touched around like his eye sockets. I touched around like you know you feel where the skull is. Mm-hmm. And it just, it doesn't make a skull, but it just makes like a weird face. And because the eye holes were so small and the mouth hole was so small, you can't really see it. So it just looks like an uninterrupted face. And then you put a hood on over it. And uh, I said, I said, black gloves and a hood save you on a lot of stuff. I've, I've done black gloves and a hood so many times, but like, you know, the, the have a face on underneath and people were like, Oh my God, that looks amazing. That looks amazing. And like, and sure enough, like he did it and he took some pictures and he's like in the bathroom and he took a picture, sent it to his mom. And she didn't think it was him because that's just not something he would wear. You know, yeah. it's a, he's like Ned Flanders. Yeah. But the first thing she did was like, somebody's at your house. They have your phone. <laughs> And uh, she oh sent it to gosh. his phone, and I was that's like, so she's funny. literally warning the guy that's, you know, if that's what <laughs> yeah. she's really. But, like, um, he called her up. I was like, no, like we, we did this thing where, you know, uh, we want to take the kids trick-or-treating. And uh, he made the eye holes a little bigger so he could see, you know, walking around at night. But, like, uh, it actually, uh, he said that he could tell it was off-putting to people because they would see the kids, and then they'd see him. And this one lady was like, is that man with y'all? I was like, yeah, th- those are my kids. And, and she was like, is that your dad? And, the, and she's like, didn't believe him. She was like, because like he's standing in the yard letting him, you know. And he didn't think about how he looked. So he said before the end of it, he actually took the mask off because he realized that eventually someone's going to call the cops because he looked like just some guy just standing in the lawn yeah. while kids are there. <laughs> and uh, and so, like, uh, he said, but it looks so effective. And the thing is, is um, he took the mask off. And then when he laid it out flat, the the picture looked really weird. And his daughter got it, and she drew over it, made this art piece that looks like a big smiling face. And I was like, "Oh, that's so cool!" And he's like, "Out of a pillowcase." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. man, that's said, yeah, that's said, great. You could do that." And I said, "Like a paper bag. Sometimes you could do stuff like that with a paper bag. Um, yeah, having a paper bag um, uh, mask like it, it doesn't last very long, but it does. It is effective. Uh, let's see, uh, ace bandaging." Yeah. You can do a lot of stuff with ace bandaging and um uh whatchamacallit, uh there's there's like so much that you can do with uh 
<clears throat> with uh, old clothes, like if you just put them on the right way, if you, uh, and like the thing is, as I said, make it to where if you only buy a mask, you're only buy a mask. The rest of it is your, I said, there's nothing scarier than real clothes because then you, then people wonder, okay, is this, is this a guy that's just wearing a costume or is it, because you can't tell because it looks like just regular clothes. Yeah. So it's like, okay, this could be just some dude, you know. And um, I've gotten that a lot. That and is so, scary. Yeah, so when I remember sending my dad a picture, like, hey, you know, and I sent him a picture of what I looked like for Halloween that one year, and he's like, all right, now don't get arrested. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because, like, I'm this grown man. You know, I'm a large man. Yeah. So, like, uh, even when I would paint my face up, like, you know, this uh, different makeup that I would do, and walk into a, you know, walk into a place, for the most part, people don't really care. But there's some people where they're like, they're, they're like, I want to assume this guy is just some party goer, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And you have, they have that look, you know? And so like, uh, it's that kind of thing where otherwise I don't look like someone that would participate in that. And that's the whole thing. I don't look like somebody that would even have like, you know, DVDs of cartoons or have anything yeah. like that. I look like somebody that doesn't have time for that or does, you know, just basically lives in a box. But like, uh, <laughs> then they're like, okay, I don't know what's going on with this dude. And that's the biggest thing. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of what I'm going for. It's not yeah. just spooky mask. It's, I don't know what's going on with this dude, and it, that and that's real scare. That is that, real scare. That's yeah, and, and, and maybe that's not fun for everybody. But I'm like, dude, but there's nothing like it. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. it's uh the way the way some people react towards like when when you have a scary look and you you know, it's great for films. Like I said, it's horrible for my dating life. I said it, it's kind of like how people see guns. They love looking at them on screen and they're so cool and you know like oh wow like on screen that's really cool. If someone pulls it out in real life. It makes people uncomfortable. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you on you in person make people uncomfortable, but when you're on screen, oh, people love that. They can't get enough of that. <laughs> mm. And uh, and, That's I, and funny. I've heard that before. Like I'm in this one called Guts. It's a comedy about a guy who's born with his guts with his guts on the outside, and he wants like a promotion and you know move up in the world. And he's so off putting, and you know everything that comes with having your guts on the outside, he bleeds everywhere, and you know. Naturally. And yeah. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> I, I just have like a walk on role, but everyone's like. I know that, it, like, I know that you're just on screen for just a couple seconds, but every, it always gets such laughs. You know, I'm like, yeah. I said I try to get mileage out of whatever I'm doing. So people are always like, oh man, when you're on screen, it's golden. When you're on, and it's a great, it's a great thing to hear. When you're on screen, you you really you really drag people in, and people really want to watch, and they keep you know, it's great to hear. Yeah. But I said, well, when I'm in person, sometimes it's not. It doesn't come off that way. Yeah. They don't know what's going on with me. They don't know who I am. I said, well, I don't go around telling everybody, oh, I do acting, you know. Yeah. And so, like, if I'm at the grocery store waiting behind somebody in line and I see them go to another register that's longer, <laughs> the line's longer, I know that they just didn't want to be in front of me. Yeah. They probably got their own story. Sometimes yeah. life happens. And I don't just sit there and go like, oh, Jesus. You know, I, I know what I look like. Yeah. You know, big guy wearing all black, you know, got a long hair and a beard. And a lot of the times I'm not even... I'm just going to the store. I'm not going to the, you know, I'm not going to the Morton's, you know, steakhouse. So yeah, <laughs> I'm not even all kemped up. I'm like, eh, you know, I'm just here to buy some Coke zeros and, you know, Joan Jett. And uh, so <laughs> I look like, you know, I look like ass and uh, I'm, I don't really care. But sometimes people think things like, okay, is there something up with this dude? Yeah. He looks scary. And uh, so it's not even like a compliment thing. Like, oh, I just gonna, I just saying I look really, I look really intimidating. No, it's, it's sometimes it's not like the whole, like, oh, he looks like he's really, going to, you know, really intimidating biker guy. It looks sometimes like, I don't know what's up with this dude. I don't know if he's even all there. Yeah. And uh, that's not exactly something people want to hear about themselves in everyday society. Yeah, yeah. But 
that's just that's I've kind of cultivated the look. I you know don't do anything to help it if I'm just walking around. You know, <laughs> I'm just here to get coke. You know, and like and just walk off. And um, and the uh, and so I have to kind of like understand. You know, yeah, this is this is part of it. Well, you're killing it. You're doing a, you're doing a great <laughs> job. Thank you. Thank <laughs> well, so Brant, we've had an awesome time. Thank you so much for coming on here. I do have one more one more question for you. For it, like I, like I said, you do you elegantly balance this work life balance of having two full time gigs where you're you know you're in the tech industry, um, and also you are an actor producer set builder and 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 when it comes to the to the films what advice would you give to somebody who um has aspirations of getting into the film industry um but doesn't really know where to start and so what advice would you give to somebody or what advice would you have liked to heard the advice i'd give to people is go where the action is go to film festivals meet people because uh, they're all going to be filmmakers and actors and, you know, people that you want to, and also go be a PA on a film, go on productionhub.com, go on Craigslist, look up films that are, you know, mill about intelligently on that, but look up films that are being made and just, Hey, I'll help with whatever. Yeah, I'll, I'll just help with whatever. I'll wrap cables. I'll move boxes. Exactly, because mm-hmm. that's that's ne- there's never too many of that. Yeah, and um, people like a problem solver. People like it when you take care of stuff that they themselves don't have to worry about, and it also allows you to meet people because sure. you know you might get along real well with the sound guy and get along real well with someone doing craft services, and you didn't realize it, but that person wants to do his own gig, and later on it's like, hey. I'm directing a film. I'd like you to help. I'd like you to work on it with me. And if you're like, okay, I would really like to be in films. Is there somebody I can send my, I'll like take a headshot and I can send it to. And they'll tell you because you're not just some schmo. You're you. You're that problem solver. You're that person they like. Yeah. And then uh, they'll, they'll take into consideration. Sometimes they'll use you at a necessity. Uh, a friend of mine, Nadia, she was on, she was in the movie Death Proof for a second, uh, the Quentin Tarantino movie. Mm-hmm. She was there working as a PA, and she's, you know, this Asian tattooed up, like, you know, Scott chick, you know. And uh, real real cool person. I don't mean to sum her up like, oh, chick. Yeah. But, like, uh, <laughs> but, like, the thing is, is uh, she was working as a PA, and there's a scene where Quentin Tarantino asks a couple of Austinite girls because it takes place in Austin and they want people that look like they're straight up from Austin and she does you know a a question about like you remember this TV show and they're like well she was one of the girls that was doing that and I was like hey that's Nadia you know so I called her up and like hey I saw you and you know Death Proof she's like oh yeah yeah they they used me just because I was there and I was like I've watched productions where I can tell they're using the sound guy it's just some guy sitting in the background just to take up you know (laughs) or like you know or like uh, you know that kind of thing or like uh, reality shows are infamous for that I'm like I could tell that's I could tell that's one of the PAs Um, (laughs) there's like bar bar, like a bar rescue there's like a scene where like there's they're trying to show the aspect the the part of the show where they turn the bar around and one of them was the security wasn't really doing their job (laughs) but now they are and how they showed that was these like this uh this couple that always that always goes there 
is sitting there talking and then some guy comes over and he's like sitting down at their table without being invited. And then he's all telling the boyfriend, I think the girl wants an old fashioned. Oh, yeah. And doing that whole, like trying to intimidate him yeah. and, you know, get him to leave the table. And, uh, so like eventually the bouncer sees it and kicks the guy out. And on the way, the guy out, the guy just kind of does something stupid. Like he goes by like the pool table. He's all, <laughs> and I was like, okay, that was obviously a PA or sound yeah. person. Yeah, I was yeah. like, first of all, I said, we see his face on screen. You have to sign a, you have to sign a release yeah. in order for us to see your face. Who would go over and in the middle of a crew start messing with the people on, you know what I mean? And, and then nobody does anything about it. Yeah, sure. And then it has, it takes the, the bar security to come over. Hey, it's time for you to leave. And then on the way out, he's like, oh, you know, oh, do something like, like you're like really mad. I'm like, I was like, oh, okay. oh you re- yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, got him. Yeah, rebel you. And so I was like looking at it. I was like, this is so ridiculous. But I was like, that's a P. That's, a, that's somebody that works. Hey, but hey, like, he was there. I he mean, was yeah. there. And I was like, so, but that's the thing. Um, yeah, thank you for, because uh, I need to go back to what I, the whole point is, if you're on set, if you're doing something, you're there. Yeah. And all anything is, is networking, like the tech industry. Yeah, we all know each other. You know, like and like we. So because I, you did Dragon Chats, and then and then and then and then, and you know how to, and you did all these. Uh, I don't know how many times you interviewed with different positions because you were just like, I was going to do something, and you did, and you st- you started like, da, 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 you know, going up and up and up and up and up and up, and then like, uh, and uh, and it was like, oh wow, you know, and like uh, inspiring stuff, but. Is that kind of thing where I'm like, yeah, that, that's so cool. Well, here we are years later. Didn't yeah. know that this was going to happen. I know. And uh, and the thing is, I might like, look at us. We made it, dude. We We're made it. Geeked yeah. them underground hey. podcast. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, there, hey. and you never know. I'm I'm I might be like, hey, uh, can you bring your 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 wife and your daughters and and bring? Uh, could you bring John? Could, could, could just, we just we just need some people up here. Yeah. And then sure enough, it's like this big film, you know, and like, uh, and that can happen. And and like, and it has happened. I've called up people before out of the blue, like, Hey, how fast can you get to Taylor? (laughs) Where are you right now? I'm in Houston. So that if you left right now, it would take you probably about three hours to get here. Like, yeah. Can you floor it and get here in about two hours? (laughs) We really need people. We really need you. So like that can happen. But the, but that's my thing is that getting on a set getting to know people, networking. Yeah. And again, it's nobody is just one thing or another. Sometimes you could spawn a relationship that turns into something because everyone I've known, they risen the ranks. They've done their own thing. Yeah. Matter of fact, when I was on Sin City 2, as an extra, okay, that's, that's all you're ever going to be is an extra on there. That's fine. But I ran into this guy, Alan Ray, that was really inspired by looking at the lighting setup and stuff. And he was like, I want to do my own like little, like little, like cliffhanger series and, 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 and make it look like this. And, uh, you know, and, and, and he sounds like a dreamer, you know, but he's like, I'd like you to be involved in. I'm like, sure. Well, I did a reading for one of his scripts last night. He's written like over 1200 pages of content. He's been doing this stuff for actually for a few years now. Like for like some years now, just in his spare time when he can, but he does world building and it looks like an old Flash Gordon, <laughs> black and awesome. white. It looks amazing and really good world building. And I'm like, yeah. so it's that kind of thing where you never know. And like he yeah. stuck to it and he was like, I really want to make enough stuff to where I can go and pitch it to. And I was like, if he pitches it and it turns into something big, because I'll tell you this, um, Russian Doll that was on Netflix when the, where the lady can't die every time she dies, she goes right back to when she, on her birthday where she's looking in the mirror and she's trying to avoid dying or trying to change things. It's kind yeah. of like groundhog day, but 
a little more kitschy. Yeah. Um, seven years. Like, it took seven years to get that finally into production. Squid Game, 10 years. Dang. This is after he shopped it around to so many people and kept getting turned down because they're like, we've already seen Battle Royale, you know? And yeah. like we, and like he's like, it's not Battle Royale. It's different. It's different. And like, but the thing is, when it's a stack of paper and you're just trying to pitch it, people can't see how awesome it becomes and what it becomes and what it is. You don't yeah. have all the cool actors and all the cool costumes and all the cool sets, and you don't have the juggernaut reaction that it gets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he had to, at one point, sell his, his uh, computer to make ends meet. You know, and, like, you're, you don't think about that. And the thing is, he was already kind of doing some films here and there. But what people don't realize is, like, but you did this film. And it's like, yeah, I did it for this studio under this contract that I had to do three pictures. And when I signed it, I was nobody, and I had no negotiating power. So I did that, but I got paid almost nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they don't think about that. Yeah. It's like, but you, it's this movie with, I was like, yeah, I, dude, we're eating ramen and living in our car while making that you know, when Apocalypse Now is being made, Francis Ford Coppola had to pull out a second mortgage because they went so over budget, but he was so determined to finish it. And so it's that kind of thing where I'm like, chasing your dreams, especially in this industry, is expensive. What I would have liked to have been told, to go back to what you asked, long way around the world, sorry about that, no, That's okay. is I would, like to, uh, I would like to have been told, quit, you know, because I was told, like, I tried to get an agent, and they were like, we would like it better if you had more this is back like in like nineteen, uh, I mean in like ninety nine two thousand. We would like it if you had more training and more experience, because I didn't really have much under my belt. Yeah, and so I felt like I got to go out and do all this stuff, and I was trying to focus on just doing the usual channels, and I think that's the dumbest thing you can do because let's face it, trying to break into the business is literally you're trying to break in. You don't open the door and walk in; you break in. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to scale the walls. You have to, you know, bust the window open. You have to kick up- the door like homie did. Right? Yeah, exactly. Did. exactly. Back in the day, you have well, to. Yeah, and like it, it, but like that's the thing. Find a way in because some of these people that are very, very like some of them are lucky. Rosario yeah. Dawson was just sitting on her front stoop. Oh, she was squatting. Her and her mom were homeless basically, and she was just squatting. And uh, uh, the first movie she was in was Kids, and Harmony Corinne, the writer, producer, director just happened to see her and he was like, we want to be in a movie. She was like, uh, okay. And there, there you go. It took off for her because the movie was a huge success. Well, other people, they're like, they busted butt. They, they really like had, like they, they spent, like they were sleeping in tents. They were, you know, they didn't have a home, you know, they were really trying. And then they just finally like, and they, and they had the same story. I went to this audition. It didn't work. I went to this audition. It didn't work. And then, no one's looking where no one ever looks in your direction. I didn't even get to open my mouth that time. They just said, thank you. And just, I just kept walking. And then sometime someone will say like, okay, uh, can you be over here at nine 30? Yeah. And then that thing turns into something huge out of nowhere. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're going along with it. You're huge along with it. I mean, look at stranger things. Yeah. You just got to be open to it. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so you're, so to sum it all up, Mm-hmm. Your advice: Get out there, yep. network, yep. be open, yep. and and put yourself on set by all means necessary. Yep. Don't worry about being the biggest, baddest thing on set at all. Yeah. People don't like the guy that's trying to do that. They hate the guy that's trying to do that. If you are a problem solver, they'll make sure the next time because every gig leads to the next gig. Yeah. They'll make sure next time you're doing something better or that you're more recognized. Something. 
because they want you to be there and they want you back. Yeah. It's not always thankful. It's not, it's, it's not always, you know, people don't always tell you thank you. People don't always see all the stuff you go through. But just to be there is worth it. And I'm telling you, I've, I've, uh, I don't know how many times I run into people on set over and over and over again. And we all like, hey, it's great to be on a set with you again. And then out of nowhere, they're calling me saying, hey, uh, this guy needs somebody. And I just want to see if you're available because it sounds like something, you know, you'd want to do. Yeah. All right. Or some in, in, or, um, they're the ones doing the project now. They're the ones that's actually in the director's seat and they like working with you. That's the other, that's the thing is, um, it's not a, it's, it's not always this aptitude test. How good are you as an actor? Sometimes they just like you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're going to make it work. Just want to work with you. Again. Yeah. You see something in your kid. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, so that's where I'm like, that's why you see some people that are not that very talented rise up. Yeah. Because they brought something to the table. You have other people that are extremely talented that are having a hard time. It's like, it's not fair. But like, uh, I'll tell you what, you increase your chances when you just put yourself in the middle of it all and stay there. Yeah. It is. So that's it. Man. Well, Brant, what a great episode of Geekdom Underground. Spooky season is upon us. Oh, yeah. Halloween coming up. I hope mm. everybody's getting excited and scared. Mr. JRG, if you would, please take us home, sir. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, watching live, uh, and tuning in every week. Uh, but yeah, maybe we got some more spooky things in the works. We'll see. Stranger things. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> hey. Awesome. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you all next week. Take it easy, y'all. Bye, you everybody. Too.